local and national sports talk that's fresh, in season, and FDA approved. If it's hot, you'll find it cooking. Mm, delicious. They don't just stir the pot. They add more flavor than the other guys. Yum, yum, yum. Get ready to dig in and taste some sports skillet. You know what I'm tasting? No, I taste victory. The Sports Skillet Radio Show starts now. Welcome to the Sports Skillet Friday live stream. We appreciate you taking time out to listen to us, however you are finding us, whether it be at sportsskilletradio.com, whether it be on anchor.fm, Spotify, any one of our social media devices. We appreciate it. Remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe and spread the word about Sports Killer Radio. We've got an awesome show lined up for you today. We are joined by two awesome people. We are joined by Jennifer Cobb and Richard Pryor Jr. Of course, Jen is the founder and board president of Team Gateway to a Cause. She is also the director of marketing for the Veterans Advantage Urgent Care. You can check out their website at www.vauc.org. She's also a former cheerleader. And we want to encourage you to check out Jen's website, teamgatewaytoacure.com. Jen, Richard, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you guys being on the show. Thank you so much Thank for you. having us. Yeah. And we know with you guys on the show, it's going to be funny and it's going to be lively and entertaining. We know that right from the jump. <laughs> uh, we're looking forward to it. And uh, Jen, you always bring the energy whenever you're on with us. So, <laughs> so we appreciate you jumping on with us as always. Uh, let's start off. Uh, for those that missed you last time on the show, can you talk about Team Gateway to a Cause a little bit? Yeah, so at Team Gateway to a Cure, um, oh, yeah. I founded uh, four years ago, actually, to yep. date. Um, and it started uh, basically because I saw my dad um, degenerate his health with the disease of Parkinson's, a neurological disorder that has struck close to a million people worldwide. And um, as I seen his degeneration in his health, uh, as a daughter loving loving my dad, I wanted to become more involved in understanding not just the disease, but how to really encourage him to give him hope and comfort. As a caregiver, um, an adult child loving on my father, I knew that I was one, but also many millions of others that are in the same boat that I'm going through and how I can encourage other caregivers that are in the same spot. And as I uh, retired from the NFL and stepped off that platform. I wanted to use my platform uh, and my voice and cheer cheer others on that are going through the same situation. So that's how Team Gateway to a Cure um, has started. Is where it's at today. I've collaborated efforts with Michael J. Fox's foundation, raising money for research. Uh, to find a cure. And unfortunately today, we still do not have a cure for Parkinson's. And so the other flip side to the disease is the caregiver, the one behind the scenes who is kissing the foreheads, tucking them in bed, filling their bellies with food, making sure that they take their medicine, driving them to and from their doctor appointment and, and really physically, emotionally exhausted at the end of their day. And so where do they go for their support? And that's when I reached out to Lonnie Ali, Mohammed's widow. And she was so gracious and kind to giving me 
a one-on-one -on -one tour of Mohammed's foundation in Scottsdale, Arizona. You know, Mohammed's legacy focuses 100% on caregiver support. And many don't realize what goes in to the day-to-day tasks, emotional and physical, caring for someone with a neurological disorder such as Parkinson's. Yeah, I mean, caregivers are extremely important and they expend a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of effort taking care of their loved ones. And it's great that you're including them and reaching out to them with Team Gateway to Our Cure. Thank you. Yeah. And I think you and I and millions of others have yeah. had a little taste of what a caregiver's life is like while we were all in quarantine. Um, that's their life every day. There's nobody knocking at the door, ringing the doorbell, calling them on the phone, checking in on them. And it's very silent, quiet, depressing. They have anxiety. And so now the insurance companies are recognizing the caregivers as the second patient. And so oftentimes now you're seeing support groups with the Muhammad Ali Parkinson Center. They're now Zooming the support groups uh, through, through uh, technology. Uh, we're also having um, telemedicine in the home, uh, offering food to the home for the caregivers to give them some respite where they didn't have to worry about um, uh, cooking their food and um, also taking transportation to and from their doctor appointments. And if they choose not to, we bring the doctors to them. And so, so I have to say that since COVID has hit, the trajectory of caregiver support has completely changed and it's really on a fast forward track. Um, I've been in constant communication with the Muhammad Ali Parkinson Center and the Burroughs Neurological Institute that is attached to his foundation in, in um, developing an app, an easy app for that geriatric population so they can uh, check in with the doctors, uh, seeing how they feel on a day-to-day -day basis, making sure that they are taken care of because if they're taken care of well, then their loved one is taken care of in a great way too. You got it. One definitely leads to the other. And you've got a great event that you're going to be doing tomorrow, actually. Yeah. So we are first in the country. This is history in the making tomorrow from All 12 right. to 3 in St. Louis. We are opening a veterans urgent center. So often you times you'll see a lot of these, vet, uh, these urgent centers that are popping up all over. Um, it's a great business. But why do you think that is? A lot of these urban community hospitals are closing. They can't fill the beds. Nurses are leaving. And so they're closing. And a lot of these urgent centers are opening. But guess what? There's a long waiting list. There's a long, the, the, the waiting rooms are packed full of people and veterans. And in a VA hospital, there could be a probably, you know, close to six months to a year before a veteran's seen by a doctor. And so this is kind of the same concept of a concierge service. 
they have served our country for so long, now it's time for us to serve them. It's basically an open concept, 365 days a year, open seven to seven, never closes, they walk in, and from head to toe they are seen in any doctor, whatever their issue is, whether it's PTSD, whether it's COVID, whether it's uh, wound healing from oxygen chamber therapy to EKG to surgery to x-rays, injections, everything. And so it's just for them and their families. And there's no out-of-pocket expense. It's all covered. And so I am so um, passionate about this. My grandfather served. My brother also served. But also... I understand the caregiver side to it. The family loved ones that are caring for these veterans that are going through their health issues, their, their caregivers need to be taken care of as well. And so this, this is definitely a family, of, um, a family perspective when it comes to that. Oh, yeah. And you said that they're going to have uh, hyperbaric chambers in here. Uh, people may remember, Eagle fans in the area may remember back in uh, 2007 uh, or so, uh, early in the 2000s, when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, Terrell Owens used one of those to, yep. uh, to really heal his, heal his leg and to have it heal faster. And you guys are actually going to have – what, at least one or two of these? Uh, two of them. We have two. And, and Michael yeah. Jackson, he was in those. J uh, Justin Bieber, you know, people know hey, he's been uh, yep. dealing with Lyme's disease, and um, he um, he's in that. But 30 minutes in a, in a chamber is equivalent to a month on a ventilator. So when you're dealing with COVID or asthma or breathing issues, and, and also the other part of it is, yeah. is wound healing. Um, yep. I... I I honestly, I don't have those issues, but I just want to go in and sit in it for 30 minutes just to have a feel-good day, <laughs> kind of like a yeah. nap. But honestly, it's about time. It's about time that we recognize what these individuals have done to serve, whether it's a day, 10 years, a lifetime. And... I'm so proud and honored to be a part of the first in the country of opening this um, because of that. Uh, as director of marketing, I love to talk and I love to yep. give back. I'm so cause oriented, but it also, um, it's very honorable to be a part of this. And um, we all have gone through such a huge change this year with COVID. So this is such a joy to bring to the community. Oh, I Oh, I can imagine. And you're going to have a very special guest with you tomorrow, correct? And he is special indeed. <laughs> He's one of my special favorite best friends in the world. I love him. And um, he's sitting right next to me, Richard Pryor, Pryor Jr. Hello. Hey, Richard, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? We are doing great. So you're going to be part of Jen's event tomorrow. Yes, I, I'm actually, I'm really excited about this. I've worked with Jen uh, uh, twice already with uh, Team Gateway for a Cure uh, because, you know, I know my dad, you know, he suffered from multiple sclerosis, which affects the brain as well. Um, but I wanted to, when she mentioned this, it was an exciting thing because it was the veterans. And it was something that was the first thing that 
uh, first time in the uh, history of, the, of America to do anything like this for veterans, which we should have done years ago. And then yeah. I had an opportunity to talk with her and then talk with the uh, founder of this, which is uh, Nicole Jenkins, talking with her about this. And it was like something, oh my God, how can I be a part of it just a little bit? Even if I just come and just sit in the back, how can I be a part of this yeah. to um, give accolades to the veterans, do what uh, veterans should have been entitled to all this time after all these years. It's unfortunate that we have to wait to 2020 for something like this to happen to be able to you know, treat our uh, veterans properly. I think what this is gonna do is also take a lot of the veterans that we see on the streets with mental illnesses and all those things, um, being able to find a place where they can go for refuge and being able to be taken care of. So I'm really truly excited about it. Oh, we're excited for you. Now you're gonna be giving away autographed copies of your book? Yeah, I'm doing uh, my book, uh, In a Prior Life. I, I wrote this last year. And it's basically, about, it's about my life. It started out as a, a child of a celebrity, but what it ended up being, it was like, out of all the obstacles I've went through, all the troubles, all the demons I've had in my life, how did I come out of those things? And so I want to share this book with anybody who is going through some darkness in their lives and don't feel a way out. How can they get out of it? How can you be in something and not let it dictate your future? And I want people to be able to see this. So I think the book is very encouraging as far as that aspect. That's awesome. Now, wh now while I have you on, got to ask you a little bit about your dad, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, what was it like growing up the son of Richard Pryor? Well, I, I, you know, the crazy moments, of course, because we, we you know, all heard about those because my dad was an open book. Um, but a lot of people, you know, my dad, it was like working. My dad to me was like working in a factory. It was, you know, because that's all I ever knew. I never knew anything about, you know, I knew what he did, but I never understood the impact the way the regular general audience saw him. You know, I saw him as dad at home, you know, attempting to cook something or, you know, playing games with us or uh, throwing us in the pool to try to teach us swim when he couldn't even swim. So those kind of fun things is what I knew and I grasped onto. He was just a regular guy. He was just quiet and uh, reserved and kept to himself. Um, so it's, you know, what people saw was totally opposite of what he actually was. So you didn't understand how much of a celebrity he was? I didn't understand until when I was a teenager. I went on tour with him during the summer and he asked me that I want to introduce him on stage when he was doing stand-up. So I had an opportunity to go out on stage and introduce him, you know, saying, ladies and gentlemen, my father, Richard Pryor. And when I heard the crowd and saw how they reacted to him and saw how they responded to him and it was, he crossed racial barriers, you know, and everybody was sitting next to each other just laughing and enjoying themselves. That's when I knew. Gotcha. Now, I also have to ask you, what would be your one or two favorite movies that he was in, that he started? in? My favorite film my father did, you can't watch it on TV because they cut too much out of it. So you have to have uh, the actual actual movie itself, but it's called Which Way Is Up. Okay. And it was one of the very first films where you saw uh, an actor playing multiple characters. He played three characters in that film. So I, uh, Which Way Is Up would have to be that. The other one, uh, a serious film was Blue Collar, mm -hmm. which is a very serious film that he did. Um, but I would have to mention uh, Stir Crazy with um, Gene Wilder. Wilder. 
in the prison. That movie just cracks me up. I could you could turn it on and just laugh at it. Gotcha. What about uh, Brewster's Millions? Brewster's <laughs> Millions. I actually love that. I I was in talks with a friend of mine. We were talking about writing a script called Brewster's Billions, and it was about his offspring. So uh, yeah, that was an actually really good. But I'm friends with one of the actresses that played the accountant in the film, Lynetta McKee, uh -huh. and. Uh, yeah, that was a good film with John Candy. And you think about the people that are gone, you know, that uh, yeah. were in the film and everything, you know, that people aren't around any longer, like Harlem Nights, you yeah. know, which is a great film. Most of those actors are gone now. That's true. What about uh, Hear No Evil, See No Evil? Hear No Evil, See No Evil. I enjoyed that as far as his stand-up. His favorite stand-up of mine was live in concert. Okay. And that was the one, I think he won awards for that one and everything. I really enjoyed that one. That was a, uh, that was a really good one, you know, when him doing Walking Through the Woods and, you know, and, you know, the heart attack and all those things that he did and being able to see my father come alive like that, because he, he was extremely animated. Um, any, spe uh, any special vacations that you guys took? Yeah, we, um, I remember one year it was disastrous for him when he took all of us to Europe. And I was, I was really, really young. And I remember there was no, he allowed me to drink. And I remember him sitting at the table saying, Richard, are you drunk? And it was like, you know, you're like 11 or 12 years old and you're drunk, you know, in, in Paris, you know? And I think that was the part that was actually fun. It was like, you know, the, uh, you know, he bought gifts for us. And I remember he had his, uh, uh, girlfriend at the time before he married her, her name was Deborah, and I remember he, he was telling her she couldn't be nude on the beach and she was on the beach and took her top off and I remember telling on her and then um, you know that was the first time my father actually bought me a triple x-rated magazine when I was in Europe so he was he was he was trying to mold me <laughs> apparently it sounds like my vacation <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and a similar thing happened to me, actually. I was young, too, at that time. So I know, uh, I know what you went through. Uh, Jeff, any questions you have for uh, Richard? Yes, I do. And I know I'm never right. going to get a chance to ask this. And I wanted to find out if your dad had ever had any thoughts about working on Superman 3. Uh, I know at the time that wasn't that big of a movie until Superman 4 came out and then everyone loved Superman 3. But I wanted to know what was his, did he have any good thoughts about that or any negative thoughts? <laughs> well, I know the, the main thing was about Superman 3 was a paycheck. Um, my father actually made more than Christopher Reeves did. His, you know, his salary was actually more than Christopher. I think he, my father was paid 3.5 million, I think, for that wow. during that time, which was a lot of money because he was yeah. the highest paid actor during that time. So him doing that, I don't think it was a thing where he really thoroughly enjoyed it, but it was something that, you know, a check. A check is a check. Gotcha. It was the same way with the film, The Toy. was the exact same way. Oh, yeah. My father couldn't stand it, but it was a check. And uh, he, I mean, he enjoyed working with Jackie Gleason and Scott Schwartz that played the little boy and all that stuff. But he thought it was a... It was so bad if you look at it on the master slave mentality side, mm -hmm. if you look at that aspect of it and see it like that. Yeah. And, and that's what he had issues with it about. But you know that sometimes money talks. <laughs> I could understand that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. uh, any, any other questions for Richard, guys? Yeah. Not really. uh, 
I'm uh, Richard, <laughs> uh, how can people find you on social media if they want to reach out to you? If they want to find me, they can. Uh, my website is inapriorlife.com. I'm on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, Richard Pryor Jr. or the Richard Pryor Jr. fan page. They can find me. So I'm out there and I'm open and way to talk to people. So just send me a hello and a message and, you know, gotcha. let's connect. And uh, are you doing any co uh, comedic events like your dad would have, any stand-up, that type of thing? Well, I stopped doing stand-up a couple of years ago. I do film okay. and I do plays and I do cabaret. I sing as well. Um, so because of the COVID shutdown, there was a play I was doing called The Interrupted Journey, which we're waiting for things to open back up because we're planning on putting that on Broadway. And it's the true story of Betty and Barney Hill that were an interracial couple in the early 60s who had an alien interaction. They were abducted. And they were the first couple that were actually um, uh, audio taped by a psychiatrist and they told the exact same story of what happened to them. And they were, you know, so that's how I'm excited about that. And then also from my book in a prior life, um, I'm adapting that into a one man show playing all the characters from the book. Oh, nice. And are you doing, are you going to be doing any book signings? That type of thing coming up. Well, I did quite a few book signings last year, but I know okay. right now I'm doing the book yeah. signing with the, that I'm doing tomorrow. Okay. And, then as, and I'm also, as we're setting up these uh, urgent, uh, urgent uh, advantage urgent care centers for veterans across the country, I'll be at all of those doing book signings. Oh, nice, because we want to look out for that, and we definitely want to uh, get your book signings out there and make people aware of them. Without Absolutely. a doubt, I'll make sure I get that information to you. Awesome. That would be great. Uh, I guess we'll go back to Jen at this point. All right. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome, Richard. Uh, Jen, got to talk to you a little bit about your career in the NFL before you let you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you mentioned so you may, excited. oh yeah, you mentioned you may have some good cheerleading stories for us. Well, yeah. So uh, I was actually driving down the road from work, coming home from work, when I heard on the radio that Georgia Frontieri was uh, bringing the Rams from L.A. to St. Louis, and she was hosting open auditions. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not the best dancer, but um, I have a history from college and high school cheerleading. But as you know, professional cheerleading and college cheerleading are two different. One's yeah. stunting, a lot of gymnastics, and the other is dancing. And I don't know if you know this, but Mrs. Um, Mrs. Frontieri was actually a Vegas showgirl. Really? What? She was. And she loved dancing. In fact, her documentary of her life movie is in post-production, so you'll have to keep an eye on that. But yeah, she was a Vegas showgirl, and she was very picky, uh, very specific about the color of our lipstick, how we wore our hair. Our hair couldn't go past our back of our uniform, and she was just, she loved, she was just very enamored by the whole showgirl appearance. And so she was very involved with the selection process of every girl that represented her brand. And so I walked into the tryouts and I'm like, oh my goodness, these women are just gorgeous and amazing dancers. And I don't know if I'm gonna make it, but at least I'll have fun trying and I might make a friend or two. Well, a long story short, I, uh, after a thousand, couple thousand girl tryouts and um, a month long of, um, interview 
uh, and um, practicing, I ended up being selected. And so I was on the squad from inaugural season to the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner, Dick Vermeil, Isaac Bruce, Marshall yeah. Fox, some of the Hall of Famers, and um, Super Bowl year. So it was, it was a, such a joy. And um, I got to tell you, uh, many people ask, uh, you know, Jen, you guys didn't get paid much. Why did you do it? You know, we really, you don't do it for the bank. You don't do it for those purposes. And what I looked at is this is an amazing opportunity for network, for just to meet some incredible friends. The NFL has been nothing but supportive with my foundation, Team Gateway to a Cure. They've been so incredibly passionate about my drive and what I've done. And also, the players and the alumni cheerleaders, even to date, I can call them up and in a second, the loyalty and the trust, we've got each other's back. They, they are always ready to help me um, in, in any capacity. And so I'm so grateful. And that right there is the reason why. And so you can turn anything from doing something for nothing or doing something for a lot and turn it into something real magical. And you know, just so you guys know, the selection process of the players is just as involved and detailed as it is in the cheerleader. And it's more than just having the, the, the best, you know, fastest 40 yard dash on the field and catching the most footballs and, and um, having all of those statistics. The selection process in a player is from head to toe how their characters, yeah. how they, are they coachable? Do they listen to direction? How they hold themselves accountable off the field? How they are, the whole character, everything. Have the camaraderie with other players and, and the staff. And, and the same goes for the cheerleaders. When you sign your contract with that team, you are forever an ambassador as a brand ambassador even when you retire and step off. And so they take it very seriously who they select. And so with that, it's not always, are you the best dancer? Can you catch the best footballs? Those are all great. I was not the best dancer, but I was coachable. And so after I was selected, Keely Fembrez, my boss, entertainment director for the Rams, and still today is, she said, Jen, you, you need to polish up. You need to get back onto... Uh, get a hire you somebody coach uh, private lessons, but you, you your space yeah. perception on the field is off your your toe point. I mean, just all of the little things. They, so they take everything very seriously, and and you know, it, good for uh -huh. them because I have polished myself along the way of my life because of that, and I've I take it very seriously, and and so. With Team Gateway to a Cure, starting that, founding that, my board of directors at 501c3 and bringing it with Mohammed and the Fox Foundation to where it's at today. And now as director of marketing for the first ever Veterans Urgent Center, they approached me and asked me to be a part of it. I'm having so many wonderful things happen in my life. And it's a lot of it is con contributed to the NFL. Now, let me ask you, you said you were a cheerleader during the Super Bowl year for the, for the Rams? Uh-huh. Now, did you end up getting a Super Bowl ring when they won the Super Bowl? Yeah, so um, first off, 
none of the NFL cheerleaders travel. If you notice, they do not yep. travel. It's actually an NFL rule. The only time you travel are two times, the Super Bowl or the Pro Bowl. And that's one girl from every squad, every team uh, goes to Hawaii. Um, so, um, yeah, you, you travel uh, in okay. a separate jet. And everybody from the coaches to the players to the cheerleaders to the employees, everybody gets a ring. I actually don't have my ring on today. I'll, I, <laughs> I usually wear it, but um, um, yeah, it's, and it's, it's got the little horn, the rams, it's got the yeah. jewels. It is not at all like the players. The players' <laughs> ring is probably the size of my head. <laughs> yes. Yep. And my ring is tiny like my little finger. So and that's okay. Because what, what ultimately what that ring represents is the thousands of hours that that player caught that football at practice. 5 a.m. practices, 5 p.m. practices, practices when you're tired, cheerleaders, all of the committed 30 hours a week of practicing Tuesdays and Thursdays at the Dome, um, evenings for four hours, Saturday morning for four hours before a game on Saturday or Sunday. We practice two hours, call time on the field at 7 a.m. We practice two hours before the game, go back, hair, makeup, get in uniform, ready for tunnel by 11.20 on the field, and then you cheer for four hours. And then you're committed to uh, 120 hours of, of charity work off the field and the players the same thing and so it's it is it's a committed uh very they take it like i said very serious if you are committed and dedicated to this position uh, and you can you know do a lot with it and you don't often hear of the cheerleaders starting charities and foundations but you do hear a lot of the players and so i'm one of few and so I wanted to, you know, really make a difference to use my voice, cheer on the caregivers that are behind the scenes, that are helping others that are going through neurological disorders, um, and also with the veterans, the caregivers that are uh, helping them as well. Gotcha. I'm also coming out with a book. Okay. Uh, the book is called Parkinson's and Daughters, and it's the story of caregivers who care for not just Parkinson's, but all brain diseases, from brain cancer to ALS, MS, uh, Lewy bodies, concussions, uh, Parkinson's. Um, and so what, what, what sort of things they go through? And I think you and I and many others, um, the first thing we do when we wake up in the morning is we grab our phone and we check a, a post that we might have posted the night before on a social media and see, we read the comments. And those comments are stories. The people understand they're going through the same thing. And that's, that's, it's, it's a really good feeling that you're not alone, that you are, ha you're in the same position that millions of others are going through. And so, um, one of the things I, I often like to talk about is, um, my dad, when he gets finished, Jay, um, working out at the YMCA, he takes, a, grabs a shower, grabs yeah. his workout bag and he heads over to that coffee station and fills up his coffee mug and maybe grabs a donut or two. And, and then you know where he goes? Where does he go? He heads over to that round table where all the fellas are sitting. And you know what they're talking? They're dude talking. They're sharing <laughs> each other's stories. They're, they're drama bonding. And, and you know, sometimes those stories that we share together 
help make a difference because we get each other. We talk each other's language. Not that the doctor's advice, it's, it's, it's important. It's important to listen to your doctors. But sometimes when a dude is going through the exact same dude stuff, you get it. Yep. You, you, you know, you, you speak in each other's language. And my dad has a refreshment in his soul when he shares his stories with other dudes oh. that are going through the same thing. Oh, no doubt about it. Having a place where just guys can sit down and just vent and talk about things that they're going through, that, that has to be immensely uh, refreshing and just like yes. getting, getting all that out of your system to somebody who understands what you're going through. Yeah, women too. Women, yep. girls get together oh. and they girl yep. talk and but it's a different type of language. <laughs> yep, but, um, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm so happy that my dad has some dudes that he can hang out with. In fact, I encourage my mom. We were looking for a caregiver to come in to help my mom um, one day a week so she can go out and do some grocery shopping and just hang out with her girlfriends. We actually have a dude, a, a, a male caregiver. And, Very and cool. they sit there and they just dude talk. Like, yep. I don't know what you guys talk about, but whatever that dude stuff is, <laughs> you know, you talk about stock anything, market, guys. you talk about football, you talk about basketball, you talk yep. about um, just the weather. <laughs> you guys. I don't know, just everything. And it's yep. just, it's so, it's so great to see that my dad's in a spot that he, you know, the dude gets it. You know, you, yep. you, you trauma bond. And so it's, it's, yep. it's, it's really great. Now, you said you're still writing the book, or is it about ready to be released? Yeah, so I'm gathering my chapters. So Richard's going to write a chapter about him, him as a caregiver, loving his dad, things that he battled, what he wished he would have known more of, um, those sort of things. Um, we've also reached out to um, Cam Jansen, uh, Tim Tebow, um, his nice. father has Parkinson's. Um, uh, let's see, we have uh, Walter Gretzky, nice. uh, Wayne Gretzky's father. He has Parkinson's. Um, we've also have Jack Buck, uh, announcer for the Cardinals for many yep. years, passed away of Parkinson's. And his daughter uh, and son, Joe, yep. and his daughter, uh, Beverly and Julie Buck, are writing their chapter now. Um, and I believe Beverly Brennan, who's uh, the daughter of Jack, she's going to write the majority of the chapter, but there's going to be uh, some quotes and things and pictures that the Buck family is going to include in their chapter. But it's, it's really a wonderful uh, dedication and an honor, not only to the loved one that's passed or going through the disease, but it's an opportunity for other caregivers that know that they can read this book. And it's, again, going back to the language I just spoke about, Either it's a dude language or a girl language, understanding that you're not alone, and we all get it. We yep. understand it. Very cool. And Jen, once again, can you tell everybody how they can find you on social media and your website? Yeah, www.teamgatewaytoacure.org. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, all of it. Gen Team Gateway. Uh, to a cure, Jennifer Cobb, uh, Jenny, J-E-N-I Cobb. 
Um, I think on yeah. Instagram, I have two accounts. So, um, <laughs> but Facebook, you can reach out to me. And of course, through you, if people want to have me, if you guys want to have me on again and people want to- Absolutely. I, I, oh, this is a funny joke. I mean, this is a funny, <laughs> this is something funny. I literally was on a podcast interview like two weeks ago and they're like, Jen, we really want to know where did the players go to the bathroom? I'm like, uh, during a game, they don't raise their hand and say, hey, coach, can I have a potty uh, break? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you know? You know where, right? Where do they go to Isn't the bathroom? Like something, a little porta potty on the sideline. Excuse me, Coach Grinneal, can I have a potty uh, break? Uh, no, we're in the fourth quarter and we are like 30 seconds and we're tied. No, we have the ball. Because, uh, you know, players have to go, right? Yep. They go right there, right on the turf. <laughs> so whenever a player trips and slips, now we know why. <laughs> oh, he missed the ball. No, they, oh, he they have a, 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 like a plastic portal cup a wonderful man he's a spitfire he was never stopped he's bebopping around the nicest man you will ever meet ever and kurt too I, all of the players they were just you know we are not allowed to date them it's an nfl rule you're not allowed to yep. date the, uh, any of the players so uh, but i can't speak for anybody that sneaks behind the wall so <laughs> what goes on in the on the field stays on the field, on the field. <laughs> yep oh yeah body breaks. Um, yeah it's, 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 it was just a, such a joy and such a fun uh, <laughs> time of my life there's so, nothing greater to walk into a stadium of 70,000 fans and I honestly no matter what side you're on no matter what team you're for the common denominator, I think, in every single one of our hearts is we just love football. We love competition. We just love the game. And I think now I'm just happy it's on TV. I'm just happy to even uh, watch it, right? Well, so, well, that's, well, that's oh, a Jim, thing. If you're a Rams fan, could Crocky took the team. Are you still? Yeah, you know, I it, it, it does irk me. And, yeah, it's sad. Uh, but no one will ever take our championship. We're a championship Super Bowl two-time team city. No one will That's ever right. take And I will always forever remember and embrace those memories. And make no mistake about it, players, when they get together, you know what they're dude talking? They're dude talking about locker room talk. There is so much awesomeness that goes on in the locker room, even with the cheerleaders. Some of the funnest memories I have is when we're in the locker room. It's just, we play jokes on each other. I mean, it's just... It's and that right there is what I'll miss. And I love when I get together with the alumni cheerleaders, even the players. I see them at Super Bowl parties or I see them at events. Um, Victor Cohn, he's putting on a huge golf event in the spring in Vegas. Him and I are collaborating together. We're going to do a, a great event, and it's fun because we talk and reminisce about the days on the field. It's just, it's kind of like um, my dad yeah. when he's talking to other dudes, he's talking about the days when he was, you know working and doing all the electrical stuff and houses he built and just the life in general and um and it's 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 about camaraderie getting together and talking positive we've been through all of us so much negativity this 2020 um it's just been such a downer 
And so I'm embracing talking, being positive, and, and, and talk about, you know, those, those awesome moments and memories that I have as a cheerleader um, and sharing that. So I was going to say, you know, questions that I'll get on a Q&A interview is always like, what's it really like on the field? And where are they? Oh, can you see me? Okay. Yep. Where, and so that was just kind of an interesting question, where they go and take their body break. <laughs> What was uh, what was one of the most funnest jokes you had? Uh, maybe either you saw you had played on you or something like that while you were a cheerleader. Oh, this is a great one. I'm gonna plug myself in because my battery's getting low. So um, <laughs> the first year, uh, no, actually it was the second year I was on the field. Um, I went out to Maui, Hawaii, uh, for a fitness competition. It was one of the uh, toughest fitness competitions in the country where you swam in the ocean you did obstacle course on a beach you ran a, a mile on the on the beach and then you did a choreographed routine on stage yeah. um and it's called it was called miss super fitness and that was actually the year the rams were the worst team in the nfl so guess what what, what happened I came, I, I came home as the fittest woman in america get out I won it. That, that the media awesome. went nuts. That they is, said, we have the fittest woman in America cheering for the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Jennifer should be coaching. And so the players were yeah. just like joking. I mean, I'm a little peanut. And you got these big guys that are just like, oh, yeah. You know, six, five. Uh, and I'm like, 300 pounds. Oh, yeah. I know. And so. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was funny, you know, that, that was a hoop, but the next year they ended up winning the Super Bowl. I'm not saying it's because of that, but I'm just saying it was just, it makes a good story. You just brought the <laughs> championship blood to the team, you know? Yeah, right. Exactly. And that veteran presence. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right, Jen, we're going to do some dude talking. I don't know if you want to hang on or you have to go, but we're going to do some dude talking because we got to talk about some sports here going on. Yeah, I um, I'm getting ready for this opening tomorrow. So okay. Um, yeah, let me know when you guys want to have me on again. I'd love love talking to you all. Uh love talking to you too, Jen. You can come on whenever you want to. Aw, thank you so much. And I just, you know, my heart goes out to all of you and your families that you stay healthy and safe. And if any of your families or loved ones, friends, or any of them are battling any neurological disorder. Um, feel free to reach out to teamgatewaytoacure.org. We have great um, resources that you can uh, be supported at, but also the military, veterans, all of them yeah. out there, letting them know that now we will serve you. You served us, now it's time for us to serve you. And so you can go to that website, which is www.baucorg veterans advantage urgent care.org b-a-u-c awesome thanks so much jen love having yeah, you, you and richard take... on all right yeah you guys take care god bless y'all god thank bless you. you jen thank you have a great weekend and hope all goes well thank you so much all right Bye. 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 thank you and of course, that was the awesome Jen Cobb and Richard Pryor Jr. But now, guys, you've got to talk some sports. Got to get some football out there. Yeah, let's get but, the peace stores going here. Let's go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, got, they got water boys going Odell around. Odell like P you know. as well. 
Yeah. That's yeah. the real question. I wonder if they have exactly. someone walking around with a bucket, you know, first you got the water boys and the other guy comes <laughs> behind them. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't want the alligator right now. No, not at all. <laughs> that me the scene from History of the World Part One. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. I can I say that on air, Jay? I wanted to use the line so bad, but I'm like, I don't know if I can. Go for it. Oh, you look like the piss boy. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <I'm> like, <laughs> You see Mel Brooks coming in after everybody. <laughs> oh, God. That would make uh, a great Super Bowl if we had that going, don't you think? Oh, <laughs> Lord. All right. Well, let's talk a little NFL, guys. Uh, last week, we had the Browns facing the Cowboys, of course. Uh, that was a shootout. That <laughs> was a shootout. We had the Browns ended up winning the game. Uh, Dallas was down 38-14, then they started roaring back, uh, not enough to overcome the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, Cleveland is averaging about nine yards per carry during the game, uh, it's insane numbers, you know, that's tough even to do in Tech Mobile, one of the announcers said, um, third game in a row, the Cowboys allowed 38 points. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Cowboys. Uh, what do you, Joe and uh, Austin, what do you think about the Dallas Cowboys? The offense kind of looks okay, but they're getting a lot of their yards in kind of what you would call garbage time. The defense looks lost, doesn't look very engaged, looks kind of, the defense I'm talking about looks kind of lethargic. Uh, Joe, what do you think about the Cowboys? Honestly, I'm pretty, I'm pretty surprised. I really thought they were going to be the best team in the division this year. And well, that's still, well, they still can be with the way this, the division's yeah. playing out, but Not the game out of first. Yeah. yeah really. And <laughs> like the offense, they have the offense to do it, obviously. And CD Lamb has been a huge acquisition this, this year. Like I just can't tell, I just can't explain yeah. or emphasize it enough. Like, like, I, I feel like he's almost taken – it's almost feel like he's taking – starting to take a number two role away from Michael Gallup. But then you see, like, as soon as – you know, like, you know as soon as, like, if the defense is starting to key in on C.D. Lamb because they're always – because they're going to want to double Amari Cooper. You know, Michael Gallup's right there. He made – yeah, they uh, – and, you know, they just got a great offense going. Mm -hmm. Mike McCarthy needs to feed Zeke more. And yeah. I said this before, Packers fans always complain about Mike McCarthy not running the ball enough and relying on the quarterback. And, you know, I thought maybe that's because he had Aaron Rodgers and he tried to rely on the arm of Aaron Rodgers. But, no, apparently not. They get, you got a top five running back and, you know, you're not giving him 25 carries a game. I, you don't need to do that every game, but at least give him 25 touches or something like that. And the defense, obviously – is absolutely awful, and the like. Honestly, they, they should be zero and four. They should be zero and four. They should yeah. be right down there yeah, at the should. bottom of the Giants. It's because the Falcons yeah. are choke artists. But you know, the, no one of their own four. Good if the defense yeah. can even get to like, like if I'm saying like a rank, like if they're gonna, if the, their defense is like maybe like ninth, twentieth, nineteenth in the NFL, or something like that. They're, they could be a playoff team. The offense is that good. Yeah, I think their problems are obviously their defense is just abysmal. They, and 
part of the reason why they do pass so much is because they're playing games trailing so much because of their bad defense that they need to get back into games. So, like, yeah, you see Prescott throwing for, like, 500 yards, 400 yards every game. A lot of it's, like you said, it's garbage time, but they're playing in comeback mode because their defense gets beat all the time. And, yeah, McCarthy does probably rely on the pass too much, but Elliott hasn't been that good this year, and he's he leads the NFL in fumbles with three. And also, like, yeah, you could put the blame on Elliott, but their offensive line is injured. Tyron Smith, they just announced today, is out for the entire season. And their right tackle, Lael Collins, too. He's had He's been battling injuries. So, I mean, it's just bad defense. And the Cowboys have been built on the run game for, like, ever since they drafted Elliott. And even before that with DeMarco Murray. But, yeah, bad injuries to the offensive line, bad defense, just it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and their center retired even before the season yeah, started. So exactly, that's a big loss. So you're talking almost a rebuilt offensive line yep. that Zeke has to run behind, that has to protect Dak Prescott. Yeah, last, I mean, last week they even put in Zach Martin at right tackle for a few for a few plays. They moved them over from his normal position. Yeah, so it's like you know, what do you do if you're the Cowboys? Do you have you know, do you have the tight end chip a little bit as he's going out? Do you have uh, Zeke Elliott chip a little bit? Maybe as he's going out on a pass pattern, uh, you know, you have the same offensive coordinator that you had last year. Mm-hmm. So you know, you can't blame the head coach this year because he's exactly he's you know, so he's uh, destroying the Giants offense. He's destroying the Giants <laughs> offense. The Giants are destroying the Giants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to be fair, to be fair, it's numbers. not on okay. Jason Garrett. To be fair, I don't. I don't think Jason Garrett's doing that bad. Job. He's getting creative with the play yeah. calling. It's, I don't think it's his fault either. It's funny to make fun of him, but I don't oh, think yeah. it's his fault because yeah. come on, the, I just Saquon wish Barkley he would clap goes more on the sidelines. It, yeah, just you know, to really amp it up. He up needs to give off those eight and eight powers. The Giants went eight and eight. I'd be ecstatic. <laughs> eight and eight powers have been transferred. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? Jason Garrett's not destroying the Giants' offense. The Giants are self-destructing. I don't fault Joe Judge. I don't fault Garrett. You got to fault the players. Reality, I just fault the the Giants' front office. You know. Yeah, I hear you. Um, could be a lack of talent on the Giants, do you think? No, it, it, yeah. that's the exact opposite. They have yeah. talent. They the need... offensive line is not protecting Daniel Jones. The defense is not producing, despite the fact that they have allowed 30 points or less in all of their games. You know, I know they did take out Cameron Fleming at right tackle and put in the new third-round pick, Matt Pert. In at right tackle, uh-huh. which he was only in there for a few plays, but he did look pretty good. And Will Hernandez had one of his best games in a while, uh, pass blocking. He had to handle Aaron Donald for the most of the game, and he handled him pretty well. I know Aaron Donald gets doubled team, but like Will Hernandez, according to Pro Football Focus, had one of his highest offensive line grades in a while that last week. So, you know, the line is coming along. You know, there's there's a bunch of problems, but they need more talent on the line. Not having Saquon is huge. Not having Sterling Shepard is huge because right now the talent's not great. It was it Evan Ingram, Mister. I don't know if he's going to drop the ball or not. Evan Ingram, you know, yeah. Golden Tate is he's Golden Tate. He's, he's 
on it, he's a slot receiver, but they're playing him like he's an outside receiver. And, you know, you know, they have Caden Smith, the tight end, who I think is really underrated. I think he should play more than he does. But they have a their offensive weapons, they have it, but they're never he- all healthy at the same time. We saw that when they were finally healthy, what was it, week three? What, or yep. week two? Whatever, they were all finally healthy together, and then Saquon Barkley towards ACL. Like, maybe it's just not meant to be. Maybe it might be just that kind of a year for the Giants going forward. You know, it could be a year where they just aren't able to put everything together. And it's understandable this year when you didn't have the normal type of uh, practices where you didn't have OTAs. Uh, training camp, you practice just against yourself. You didn't bring in any other teams. You didn't have the normal preseason. Uh, so there could be a lot of things kind of playing into this. You know, and it's not just necessarily the Giants. There's some other, some other teams could be going through this as well. Um, but as we go down to this, let me start the uh, pick segment real quick because we know – we're going to be losing Jeff Scott in a little while, so I want to get some of the pick mm-hmm. segment in there before we lose Jeff Scott. And we'll talk about some of the teams as we go through this. Uh, but we got uh, the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. The consensus line is Atlanta minus one and a half. Uh, so who do you guys think is going to win this one? Atlanta favored. <laughs> Panthers. <laughs> that's what that's what I got yeah. here. That's what I'm looking at. That's I'm gonna go against spread and say Carolina. Yeah, I'll agree with that, Carolina. Yeah, I would take I would take Carolina as well in this one. Um, over. Um, yeah. I'm well, what do you think, Jeff? I'm with you guys. I mean, yeah, Falcons haven't brought it up at all, so I'm like, I'm not even gonna bother. <laughs> yeah. If they do, I'll be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Carolina as well. Uh, and again, we're saying this like some of these games are actually gonna be played. You know, uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, you know, and who knows what's gonna happen on a daily basis? Games are getting moved around. The NFL is playing Tetris with the schedule. So mm-hmm. uh, who knows when some of these games are gonna be played? But uh, we'll just go down the lines uh, like they're gonna be played. Uh, So we have the Las Vegas Raiders going to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. And we've got uh, Kansas City minus 11 over the Raiders. That's a little high. That's a little high. Yeah. That would be the consensus. So are you guys going – so you guys are going to take the Raiders and the points? Yeah. I'm taking Raiders and the points. Because I have Kansas City on the bench against Kelly this week. I'm sticking with Kansas Chiefs, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not going against them. Chiefs win, but in terms of the spread, I'll take their Raiders. Yeah, I agree with Joe. Yeah, I agree, I agree with Joe, too. I'm going with the Raiders and the spread. It's rather high, and I think the Raiders can keep it close enough to where those 11 points will come in handy. They're too good of a team. They've had a tough schedule. They have a tough schedule, at least to start out the season. Yeah. I don't know what's like the rest of the year, but you know, you know, they're they're a good team. They're going to keep it close. Okay, 
So the next game up, we have the L.A. Rams going to Washington to face the Washington football mm. team. Hey, I got it right this week. There you go. No, uh, <laughs> Nobody jinx it. And uh, I got Washington plus seven over the Rams. Oh, <laughs> uh, mm. uh, the Rams all the way. Kyle Allen is starting. Yes. Oh, yeah. my. Oh, this is going to be – I mean, I don't know what the Rams couldn't get together. I'm, I'm going to say, you know, Giants defense. I was saying before the show, they look pretty – they're underrated, I think. They're, they're up there. I think that had a reason – that was a reason why the Rams didn't look like the Rams last week on offense. But make no mistake, they will steamroll Washington. See – I, I I agree they'll beat Washington, but I don't know if like the like are the Rams who we think they are. Like they've already yeah. played the Eagles, they the Giants, yeah, and the Cowboys. Are. Like that's three easy wins. <laughs> yeah, I mean you have to admit the Eagles won against the 49ers, so who knows? Washington yeah, could come exactly. back and say, yeah. I mean they are the Rams. I mean who have they played so far to get you know to win all those yeah. games? I mean that's what I'm saying. Let's not. They played the worst division. So I, yeah, I just so I, it's I, like Washington is so. Like Dwayne Haskins oh. is bad enough, but like Kyle Allen's not that great either. Like yeah. it's not I don't great think either. Win, but... If Washington wins, like I guarantee next week I will eat a piece I will try to eat a piece of paper on the show <laughs> Washington wins. I'm that right. confident. Do we get to tell what kind of paper? <laughs> Two ply, Sand one paper. ply, lined. Sandpaper. <laughs> oh, let's not get cruel. <laughs> no, I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Now what? Now what did you guys think about the benching of Dwayne Haskins? You know, and warranted. He hasn't performed up to expectations, and I think Ron Rivera is making the right call here. You know, they. I've been saying this. It's like it's not going to make the situation any better. This is like giving your kid a timeout because he's being bad. <laughs> Like, yeah. what are the red? Where I almost said it. Where the what are is yeah. Washington gonna do? Like, like they're like trying to cover up a big gaping hole with a piece of scotch tape, basically. Kyle Allen's twenty four, was he? So he might show promise in the future. Most likely not, though. And then they got Alex Smith, who yeah. I'm, you know, I want to see him on the field. I just want to see him take a snap on in a real game. But if he gets hit, I'm afraid he might actually die. Yeah, if he, got, ta- if he takes one snap, he's going to come back player of the year. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just If Alex Smith comes in the game, they're definitely just going to hand the ball off. Yeah. I don't even think they'll make him kneel because I'm not sure if they want to act – if they want to make him, yeah, you bend down with the leg. Yeah. And it's yeah. – like I actually wrote about it, about like the yeah. – I almost said the Redskins, Washington and Haskins. <laughs> yeah. Like how I said that uh, – uh, You fate- said Redskins stuck in the jar. Yeah. yeah. So I said, yeah, I wrote about Washington and Haskins, and I said, oh, they're showing faith in him, but their faith might not last longer because he's the last in the NFL in quarterback rating. And right as I wrote it, like two days later, it came out that they're yeah. benching him. I was yep. like, oh, well, there you go. You called it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so the next game up on the ledger, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to Houston to face the – New, I guess you could say, Houston Texans with their new head coach, Romeo Cornell. I have to Texans. Former Chiefs interim coach, Romeo Cornell. Yes. Oh, boy. Uh, As they fired their head coach and GM this past week, uh, it is now Jacksonville. I don't know why. 
Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I wonder why. You know, <laughs> I won't rub it in or anything. But... <laughs> you know. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's ask Arizona if they know why. You know, he was he was a decent head coach, but a bad uh, GM, of course. And uh, so he, you know, they haven't won. He traded away their top wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, in the offseason. So he made. Why did they do that? You know, this reminds me of the yeah. Chip Kelly situation. Yeah. Coaching mm-hmm. them yeah. to wins, but as soon as you gave him player personnel power. It all, it all goes downhill. They fire him. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's, a, that's a good comparison. Yeah, okay. so, I agree. So we I'm got taking the Texans and the points. I'm starting the Texans defense against Kelly, and I really want to destroy her this week in fantasy. So Texans. <laughs> all right. He didn't so, even know the spread. He just wants the Texans. Plus Jacksonville plus five and a half. I'm, I'm taking the Texans. With the points. Yeah, I'm taking Jaguars. Mm. Kelly Figueroa, you're going you down. You know what? <laughs> yeah. You know. There you go. Houston's going to redeem, themsel- gonna there, redeem themselves. Houston's going to redeem themselves this week. There's the Sean Watson is too is going to just you know he's going to be out with back spasms next week for carrying the team this week. Um, but I will take Jacksonville spread wise. Gotcha. I am going to go – I'm going to go with Houston. I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Jacksonville, so I'm going to take Houston minus the five and a half. I think Romeo will figure something out. And, uh, you want to put Kelly in her place too, don't you? Yeah. I think – I just think it will be close enough to where – you know, I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to take uh, Houston there uh, minus five and a half. And then, and then we got this game that – as of today, may be up in the air. We might not get the game on Sunday as it's currently scheduled, but we have the Arizona Cardinals supposedly taking on the New York Jets in New York. Uh, Jackson, uh, Arizona is waiting to get clearance to take off to come to New York. We had a Jets player uh, have a presumptive positive COVID test today, so the Jets have sent everybody home as we're taping this so uh who knows what's going on there if they're gonna play the game or if they're not or if they're gonna move it uh but right now we have arizona minus seven and a half over the new york jets what do you think arizona Arizona, pretty confidently i'm confident in kyler murray i'm taking arizona I, i would hope arizona at least I have, what do you th- I have, yeah, go ahead. What do you think, Jeff? I'll go with Arizona. Why not? What's the worst yeah. that can happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think we also need to remember that Joe Flacco is starting for the Jets this week. Oh, I almost forgot about that. This is true. You know, you know if he does win, though, we we got to bring up the the question: Is he is he still elite? Has he is it has his yeah. eliteness just been dormant this whole time? The, the question that's been going on for like six yeah. seasons straight. <laughs> we'll never figure out the answer. Oh. The year is twenty forty. Is Joe Flacco elite? <laughs> and and is Adam Gate an elite offensive mind? You know, as the yeah, owner, he's a, an offensive guru. Yes. You know, <laughs> he's not an elite mind. Adam Gates' <laughs> job is done. He's done. 
I would tend to agree with that, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to go with Arizona. I think they rebound over the Jets this week um, and get a win. Uh, we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. The line is minus Pittsburgh minus seven. Will the Eagles make it two in a row? Q uh, with Khalifa, Steelers win it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't know. That's this is a that's a close one. Yeah, yeah. The spread is. Uh, uh, like the I'll, I'll go. I'll go with the Steelers. I I can't envision I'm go with the, the Steelers Eagles. too. But the yeah. problem is, you never know if the Eagles are going to pull out another one because it is the Steelers. So, yeah. I mean, I I like how the Steelers have been looking though. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to take the Steelers, but spread-wise, I don't feel confident enough to say that the Steelers are going to uh, cover the spread. So I'm going to say Eagles spread-wise in, in the battle for Pennsylvania. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles plus seven. I think it'll be a close enough game that if you that if you have the points on your side, if you're you know betting on the Eagles and you have that plus seven. Uh, that could come in handy because I think it will be a closer game than some people are maybe thinking because, I mean, you look at the Steelers and they have Ben Roethlisberger, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, they have a good defense. They're healthier. I mean, Juju's, I think, questionable at this point. Um, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, you look at the Steelers, they're a little bit more healthier, I think, than the Eagles. I mean, Carson Wentz is still throwing to guys that are going to be uh, called up from the practice squad again this week. Although their timing may be a little better, uh, you're still going to probably be without Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson is still listed as questionable, even though, even though those two guys kind of practice with the team this week. So... Oh, I am doing Smith-Schuster this week. So, I'm going to go with the Eagles plus seven. But uh, I think – but if you're telling me that the Steelers could win the game outright, I would not argue with you on that one. Uh, next game up, we have the uh, Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Baltimore Ravens. And it's currently Cincinnati plus 13 over Baltimore. I don't know about that. This is a high yeah. one. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm going to go Ravens, but I don't think they'll. See, I can game. envision that happening, but the chances of that also happening, like Joe Burrow looked real good last week. The offense may yeah. be able to keep it in, even though mm -hmm. the Ravens still have a good defense. Like, the only thing is, like, that defense may get to Joe Burrow too much, like, has been happening all year, and he might get – I mean, he'll, he'll definitely take a beating back there. So, obviously, Ravens Ravens are going to win this. Yeah, but I, I got to take uh, Cincinnati on the spread. It's just too big. I'm taking the Ravens partly because I have Lamar Jackson. Gotcha. So – yeah, I'm going to stick with the Ravens, too. I mean, yeah, they let me down one time, but I'll, I'll let that slide. <laughs> I'm going to – just because the point spread is so high in this one, it's uh, 13. I'm going to go with the Bengals in this one, and I'm going to, I'm going to take the plus 13. 
Uh, Joe Burrow, like you guys have said, I think Joe Burrow has looked pretty good. And that's a heck of a lot of points to uh, give to the Baltimore Ravens. And one thing we know about Baltimore is they have a heck of a time coming back, especially after halftime. So if the game is close and maybe Cincinnati has a slight lead at halftime, that can make it tough on the Ravens. I think the Ravens could win, but I'll take the 13 points and the Cincinnati Bengals in that one. Uh, next game up, we have the Miami Dolphins going to San Fran to face the 49ers. And it is Miami plus nine over the 49ers. They did lose to the Eagles. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to take the 49ers minus nine. Hmm. I'm gonna go the I'm gonna go the opposite. I'm gonna go with Miami because I think Tuna can come out ahead. I, I I'm gonna yeah. go with them. Yeah, I I just say same thing. Miami played a not many people paid attention. They they almost beat the Seahawks last week. Like mm-hmm. I and I like how their team has looked throughout the year. They look good against Jacksonville. Um, you know I I almost want to say they're gonna win this game. But a lot of logic in my head is keeping me from saying that. But I will say Miami takes the points. Yeah, I'll go for Miami. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'll go with Miami plus the nine on this one. Uh, You know, if I – just looking at the quarterback situation, you know, uh, the 49ers had to bench Nick Mullins uh, late in the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Eagles have a very good defensive front, but still – they still are searching for a quarterback, and they benched their starter, Nick Mullins, late in the game last week against the Eagles. So I, have a, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in their quarterback situation. And Fitzmagic is playing for his job right now because he has Tua Tagovailoa breathing down his neck. And it Fitz could be Magic a, is not Fitzmagic anymore. He's just I could be. We're, we're in the Fitz tragic stage. We could be. Of it all. But we could be. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. He could pull something out of his hat. But he has Tua breathing down his neck, and that quarterback change could be coming at any time. So, um, I'm going to – just because I like Fitzmagic better than um, any of the quarterbacks the 49ers have, I'm going to go with uh, Miami and the points in this one. Uh, next game up, we have – uh, the big NFC East battle. We have the New York Giants going to Dallas to face the Cowboys. And the consensus line is so Dallas, Dallas minus eight over the New York Giants. All right. Just by default, I got to go with the Giants. <laughs> Same. Giants finally pick up a win. You know, do I, use, do I actually – you know, Austin, you go ahead. I'm taking the Cowboys both in the game and the spread. I think I think they got it. And I'm a Cowboys fan, but I try not to be biased. Yeah, I think I, that they can beat the Giants pretty. I really pretty try not to be biased either, but yeah, I am. Gonna I still think be watching this with will the throw for a ton of yards. I am going to be watching this just because I need fan, to so. take down Cowboys. You know, I just can't. The Giants haven't given me enough for them to even say they'll win. So Cowboys win. Cowboys, they will finally score. It was, it they was will, eight. 
They will end the drought with the touchdown. Yeah. But and I'm I'm gonna take Dallas on the spread as well. Mm. Yeah. I am I am gonna go I'm actually gonna go with I know the Giants offense has been struggling so far, but the Dallas defense scares the Dallas defense is scary bad. Yeah, it is. It's really you know, bad. It's, I mean, it, it really is. And, you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, if somehow the Giants can just, you know, play hard in this one, you know, play passionately in this one, you know, that may be enough to get a win over over the Cowboys, you know. And I'm going to go with – I'm going to take the Giants and the points in this one. You know, just because the Cowboys' defense has been so bad, not giving effort, you know, if if the Giants' offense is going to show anything, it would probably have to be in this game. That's you know? true. Especially Jason Garrett might be out for revenge. And, like, exactly. If you can't do anything against the – if the offense can't do anything against yeah. a weak defense. There's no hope. Like, you know, I, I know they haven't scored a touchdown in two games, but they need to put up at least two touchdowns this week against a defense like this. Yeah, and it's also funny to me because like Daniel Jones has turned the ball over like multiple times in every game of his career, and the Cowboys can't force a turnover to save themselves. So it's like the what is it the unstoppable force versus the immovable object type thing. It's the, <laughs> yeah. it's the guy who can't stop turning the ball over versus the team who can't force a turnover. Who's gonna well, break? Well, Cowboys defenders are gonna have a uh, are gonna be happy then. They're probably gonna get a turnover. Yeah, maybe yeah. or several, probably several. Yep. All right, so let's see. I I agree with you guys. Something something definitely has to give in this game. You yeah. know, one one way or the other. Uh, next and game. It, and I was oh, going to one more thing. I say if the Cowboys lose, it might be crisis mode. They might their questions might start being asked <laughs> of everyone in the organization. If they lose to the Giants and start off one and four, where they should be zero and five, there's going to yeah. be a lot of questions asked. I mean, there's already a lot being asked, but there's you know, going to be a lot more. The question right now, I know the state of the team, but does it do the um, – I know Dak Prescott is under the franchise tag and mm-hmm. he's been looking for a big contract. Yeah. And this is more for Austin being a Cowboys fan, get your perspective. Yeah. Does, do you think Dak would deserve that big contract or should they allocate their funds more yeah. to help in that defense? I, it's, it's tough, but I don't know, man. I'm a Prescott fan, but like he's had, like, I think his sophomore season, he struggled. Yeah. But but other than that, his freshman, his first year, his rookie season, uh, two years ago, he had a good season this year. He's been good last year. He was, he was all right, but I don't know, man. I feel like if they did max him, their only way to be, the only way to build a defense would be through the draft. And that's what they tried and do this year. And like they, they failed. drafted Diggs, and they exactly they failed. So I don't know. I think I wouldn't be mad if they gave it to him, but if they let him, if they let him walk, I'd be upset. But I could see why. Is what I'm saying. All right. And I got one question to Austin too. Yeah. Uh, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, but but if you had the draft to do over again, would you prefer? Dallas drafting defensively yeah. or still taking CD Lamb? See, defensively. I, I, it's tough. I, because uh, the Cowboys have like a record for drafting bad defensive players, like um, yeah. Morris Claiborne. 
it's drafted high overall taco charlton randy gregory like the list goes on of them just drafting bust on defense but drafting good offensively des bryant demarco murray who else that whole line basically exactly zach martin travis frederick tyron smith um prescott himself elliot so I'm happy with them picking Lamb because, like Joe said it earlier, Lamb's kind of moving up to number two. So yeah. I don't. I mean, like, who could they have picked that would make that much of a difference on yeah. the defense? I'm looking you know? at the draft right now, like who yeah. got picked afterwards, and the only that guy I think maybe changer. they, the only guy on defense that they could have maybe taken over CD yeah. Lamb was Patrick Queen, and that, and he got he was a steal at the end of the first round, but mm-hmm. like every. Every other defensive talent, I'm just looking at it and like, is are they really worth taking? Maybe Jordan Brooks, maybe. But if I say maybe, then you CD Lamb, like a talent yeah, like he's that, almost like a, he's almost like a sure thing. He doesn't drop that far. Every talents like that don't drop that far every yeah. draft, and the Cowboys pounce on the opportunity. Gotcha. Or would you go offensive? Knowing kind of what you know now, would you have gone offensive line? Yeah. See. I don't think you go offensive line because, I mean, like you knew Frederick was going to retire and they're not getting any younger, but you wouldn't expect Tyron Smith to be out for the season or Leo Collins to go down. They could have tried to draft that – the guy that the Saints drafted, that was Ruiz, the the center they drafted. I, You know, I like that pick. I think he would have been a good uh, uh, successor to Travis – I almost said Travis Scott. Travis <laughs> Travis Scott, the new Cowboys. <laughs> Sicko mode out here. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think he would have been a good option, but I don't think a talent – it's like I get asked – on my friend, like people who aren't Giants fans, like my friends who ask me, like, do you regret the Giants picking Barkley, who his career might be wasted and you probably needed a quarterback better. Mm-hmm. And I always said no, because Barkley's a generational talent. Like, you don't get the opportunity to draft someone like that. And personally, it, we look, I look back, I didn't really like any quarterbacks at the time. Now, obviously, if the, the Giants – like, hindsight, ju- line, the Giants take Lamar Jackson. That would have been exactly. hindsight. But, like, at the time, I thought Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback in the draft, and the Browns took him. So, I was fully Probably on board. would have taken Lamar Jackson. I don't – Yeah, but – you didn't know what kind of a quarterback, and you had to. And one of the things Baltimore has done is redesigned their offense around mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. Yep. Exactly. You know, and that's they, helped them succeed. That's like when Tim yeah. Tebow succeeded in Denver that one year because they built the offense around him like yeah. they did in college. That's what the Patriots are doing now this year with Cam Newton. Exactly. I mean, until he was out last week, but. Yeah, and you, know. you have to, and you also have to look at who's the head coach at the time that. Uh, they drafted, you know, you're drafting that quarterback too. Is that quarterback, is that head coach and OC going to redesign their offense around Lamar Jackson? We had Pat Sturmer. Exactly. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson, would he have survived behind that offensive line? He definitely would have made it easier to escape. Not that Daniel Jones isn't mobile, very mobile. Yeah. But Lamar Jackson, like, is the fastest quarterback in the NFL. And obviously, last year, he broke the record for rushing yards in a season by a quarterback. He obliterated it. And yeah. he definitely would have – I felt like it would have been an RG3 situation where he would have been scrambling for yeah. for more often than yeah. – there would have been designed running plays, but he would have been scrambling a lot more often. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
The next game up we have on our schedule is the Indianapolis Colts going to Cleveland to face the Browns. This should be a really good game. Uh, let me get the points out there. We have Indianapolis minus one and a half. So uh, they're expecting this game to be pretty close, and I think it very well could be. Colts have a very good defense. They're like number one across the board in defense. They're coming on. Uh, we saw o Odell Beckham Jr. make uh, maybe a season-saving play last week. Uh, for the Cleveland Browns on his uh, touchdown run. Uh, maybe, we, you know, who knows what he's going to do against this uh, Colts defense. So, should be a very interesting game, very exciting game. Uh, they're saying it's going to be a close game. So, we have the Colts uh, minus one and a half over the Browns. What do you guys think? I'm going the Colts because I don't trust Baker Mayfield. And even though like, he threw touchdowns last week against the Cowboys, but he also missed a lot of throws that uh, that should have been bigger plays than they were. So, And that just how, how good the Colts' defense is. And the Browns' defense yeah. isn't anything – like the Cowboys have been doing good, but they allowed a lot to the Cowboys last yeah. week. So, yeah, I'll go with the Colts in this one. I'm going to go with the Browns and the over. Okay. I was about, you know, I was about to say something similar I, to Austin, you know, Indianapolis yeah. both ways. I was about to say, you know, Baker Mayfield. Like, I still don't trust him. Yeah, I don't trust him. I don't trust him either. And that Colts defense, I went on about them. Like, beginning of the season, I thought they were more underrated defenses coming into the season. And which makes me question why I dropped them in fantasy. I picked them uh, up for a week and then <laughs> dropped them because I thought they had a bad matchup versus the Vikings. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I never. I could. I That's never the got message them of today. Obviously, I never got them back because someone's not going to drop them now. But um, yeah. Um, yeah. I just, you know, they. I know the Colts' offense can be a bit shaky with the way sometimes Phil Rivers plays, but. I just feel like the Brown the the Browns are going to beat themselves more if the Colts yeah. defense doesn't. It's going to be the Browns beating themselves. Mm -hmm. Like they I I don't know at this one. I can't trust the the facade that they're three and one, and not that they haven't played well, but like it's the Browns. I until they actually like finish the season with a good record, I'm not going to believe it. Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with you and Austin. I think the the Colts are going to do that you know, come through. But I think it's going to be a good game, though, either way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you guys. I'm going to take the Colts minus uh, one and a half. Um, I, like I said, you guys have put it very nicely. If, if you're going to trust one or two of the quarterbacks, I think Baker Mayfield, though he's been sort of okay this year, uh, improved over his past couple of years, and the Browns have been doing some good things. Uh, if they get down to Indianapolis, they're not going to be able to, to come back. Uh, I'm going to go with Indianapolis minus uh, one and a half. Uh, next game is also a, a pretty good one. We have the Minnesota Vikings going up against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. And, Seattle. It, and it is Seattle minus seven. I'm taking Seattle plus seven. You mean minus seven? Minus seven. Yeah. You mean I, minus seven? That's what's weird. Seattle, yeah. In Seattle and the over on this one. 
Well, I will say this, since this will be the last pick I have to do this time before I jump yep. off. Obviously, I'm going to go with the Vikings, but I'm not delusional. I'm pretty sure the Seahawks will probably take them out because uh-huh. uh, they've been doing really well. But I'm pretty sure the Vikings came back, back once. They could do it again. And, you know, I just got to stay behind them. <laughs> okay. And I, I'm actually going to take uh, Minnesota plus, uh, plus seven in this one. Uh, it's in the light. I'll go with Seattle. <laughs> well, in, in this one, because uh, Seattle has a pretty bad defense. And I think Minnesota will be, will be able to – yeah. I mean, that's why they may still be out there in your fantasy leagues. And uh, I think Minnesota, knowing what's going on in their division, are starting to feel the heat a little bit. Like, we got to keep up with the Joneses here. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, we may fall out of the playoff race. So, there's a little bit of pressure this week on Minnesota to kind of keep up with the other teams in their division. So, I'm going to take uh, Minnesota plus the seven over the Seattle Seahawks. Jeff, I know we got to say goodbye to you, but uh, you are doing this Bloodshed Farms uh, Halloween deal, right? And uh, you mean uh, this thing? Oh, yeah. Yes, Yes, that thing. And uh, smooth transition. uh, Let let everybody know what's going on with uh, Bloodshed Farms. All right. So this year, uh, Bloodshed Farms is actually doing a uh, drive-through haunt. Uh, basically, you stay in your car and you get to actually go through attractions uh, that we have set up. Uh, not on on the scare factor, not as high as we usually would be, but it's still an enjoyable thing, especially if you have kids and you want to expose them to the haunt um, atmosphere. This is a good thing. Uh, they're limited tickets. Uh, you basically buy a slot and you show up um, and drive through and have a good time. Uh, especially during this time of the pandemic, windows up and everyone's all safe. So you don't have to ever worry about that. And you can come out and have a good time and not have to worry about long lines and all that other stuff. And uh, check out bloodshedfarmsfearfest.com for ticket information and times. Awesome. Jeff, we'll see you again uh, next week. I hope everything goes well at the haunt this weekend. And uh <laughs> you know, and uh, we will see you next week on the Sports Skillet live stream. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you next week. See you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. All right. See you, Jeff. So, going along with our pick segment, the next game, we have the L.A. Chargers traveling to New Orleans to face the Saints. And the consensus line is New Orleans minus two and a half. Ooh, or, well, right, uh, New Orleans minus seven and a half. Let oh, me correct myself there. Huh. Minus seven and a half over the L.A. Chargers. So what do we think about this game? I'm going Chargers just because I like Herbert. I don't know, man. He was to eat throws some bombs. Like I saw the highlights, he has a strong arm. So, I, I mean, it, obviously it goes deeper than that, but I, I feel like a breakout game is – it's on the menu. Um. I, I'm i going to go with the safe pick and go with the Saints, but I will say in terms of the spread, I'm going to go L.A. Yeah, Justin Herbert, phenomenal. And I know Austin Eckler out is going to be a huge blow to a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have a committee with Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. And, you know, they're going to make this – they're, they're going to make this a closer, uh, closer game than maybe some people would think I, if they just, you know, looked at the matchup uh, – for a split second. Yeah, now the other interesting thing that came out about the Chargers this week, uh, you guys kind of alluded to it, is head coach Anthony Lynn 
named Justin Herbert the uh, starter for the rest of the season over Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor really didn't do anything to lose the job, uh, you know, but Lynn was instrumental in selecting Herbert uh, sixth overall in this year's NFL draft. So there's that going into it. I mean, you look at Tyrod Taylor's history. Mm -hmm. He's now lost his starting job three times. First time was to Nathan Peterman in Buffalo for one game. Second time was to Baker Mayfield after a concussion. And now to Justin Herbert after a team doctor accidentally punctured his lung. You know, it's been a string of... Uh, if I were Tyrod Taylor yeah. here, I'd be suing the team doctor. Just saying. Well, I don't know if you want to go through all that because, you know, then that might make you look bad to other teams and that might affect your employment status. But, you know, definitely a string of bad luck for Tyrod Taylor, who, mm -hmm. you know, really didn't do anything to lose his job and probably was going to be on his way back to being a starting quarterback. But, you know, I got to agree with you guys. Uh, Herbert has basically come on and uh, – won the job and hasn't looked uh, too bad at all. Uh, I am going to go L.A. Chargers in this one. I'm going to take – I'm going to go L.A. Chargers plus seven and a half uh, over the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he's looked really good. He has the team behind him now. Uh, he's definitely the Chargers' present and future going forward. So, uh, I think with uh, seven and a half points, I'm going to go with the uh, – St. Louis, I'm going to go with the uh, Chargers in that one. So it looks like, uh, from what I'm seeing here, that will kind of wrap up our pick segment from what I'm seeing here. Aren't there two more games? Uh, yeah, but I'm not seeing the line on them for some reason. Yeah. Denver, they, New England, is there, and then Buffalo, Tennessee. There's no line now? I'm um, not seeing it on the website I'm looking at. Maybe because, uh, like, Tennessee oh – yeah, they rescheduled Tennessee. So yeah. Maybe that's yeah. why. I, I mean, if you guys if you guys see a line on it, uh, definitely uh, let me know. Uh, I know that the Titans-Bills game is now set for 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday uh, coming up. They have been moved uh, due to the corona – due to the Titans testing positive – for the uh, COVID-19 virus. Uh, Patriots Broncos is now set for 5 p.m. on Monday. So uh, both those games have been kind of moved around uh, because of the COVID virus. Uh, what do you think about all these games being moved around because of the COVID virus? You know, I, I kind of like how it's being handled. You know, I like the games being moved around better than no games at all, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I just hope it doesn't get to a point where there's t so many cases in one week where they just shut down the entire NFL. Like, they shut down the NFL for that week, and then they have to go from there. Like, I, I hope it, it doesn't It'd be 9-11 all over again. I, um, yeah. Like – I'm okay with – I mean, like, it's cool because there's more football on more nights and, like, doubleheaders. It's just – it's instead of – I don't like what NASCAR pulled one. this season. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get to that, Mike. And <laughs> yeah, the only thing I could – Because I have something I more could to say is, like, I knew the COVID cases would be in inevitable because of the size of the rosters and staff that mm -hmm. they, they carry every week. 
but it's and doing you it know it didn't season. yeah exactly and we didn't really see any case until what like was it week three was it three. yeah yep. I think three was and the then all one. of a sudden now all of a sudden we're seeing more cases here and obviously that's a virus it spreads somehow and it's just making me nervous like I hope like the the rate at which it it's spreading throughout the league like if it doesn't slow down anytime soon I'm I'm getting worried that I'm getting worried that something's going to happen to the season. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Joe. It's that you can only play Tetris for so long with the schedule. I I like the fact that they're moving games around. Uh, They're trying to get them all in. Because here's the thing uh, that many people may not realize is that if a game is canceled, that means that the players on that team are not going to receive a game check for that particular day. And that may be okay if you're one of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL and you're making, you know, millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. But when you're maybe a backup offensive lineman or maybe somebody on a practice squad or uh, somebody like that. Or if you have like an incentive-based deal incentive-based deals, something like that, where you're not making millions of dollars, where it may be in the uh, thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars, something like that. Uh, You miss a game check, that could be a lot of money, and I know the players don't want that. They would rather uh, play than miss a game check, and that's what it would amount to if the NFL canceled one of these games. and what goes along with that is that your team, like the Philadelphia Eagles, do not have somebody testing positive right now for COVID-19, knock on wood. But if their opponent for that week had somebody test positive, uh, like, like on the Jets this week, somebody on their team tested positive, they shut down the team facility, sent everybody home. Now we don't know what is going to go on with the Jets game for oh. this week. So right now, the Cardinals are still are about are going to fly into Jersey. So that's, that's still, like that would be a good sign. I like yeah. that. Adam Schefter reported that maybe like 15 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago. Awesome. That would be a good sign. But still, if one of these games gets canceled, those players are missing that game check. And I know that's something that they don't want to have happen. So they would rather, I think, move the game around to a different day. And I think we're going to get next week a Saturday game too. Uh, You know, because I think because of the Buffalo Bills getting moved around a little bit, uh, they may wind up playing a week from Saturday. So uh, a lot of Tetris going on with the NFL. I like the fact that they're playing this game at Tetris and working all the games in and different days. It's just, you know, we have to pay attention to the schedule and figure out when your team's playing because it could get moved from week to week. But I'm glad the NFL is uh, getting all these games in. Um, moving along now to Major League Baseball. Joe, I have to go to you on this one. Uh, Yankees are hanging in there, but you had to be absolutely frustrated. I know as a Philly fan, if the Phillies were in that situation, I would have been flabbergasted. I, I think you were going off on social media a little bit. You know, uh, Tuesday night when the when the Yankees, for apparent no apparent reason, 
went to a bullpen game, I was I, I was out of my mind too. I was like, why would you do this? You got some momentum after winning game one, and now you and now you go to a bullpen. I think this was Cashman's idea, you know, kind of out thinking the Rays. But going to a bullpen game Tuesday night, trying to bring uh, happen in the second inning, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I yeah I went on a a rant throughout the game on social media, like on, specifically on Twitter, and yeah. it was, you know, I really I heard there was a rumor, I heard like it was just from one Yankee yeah. fan account, like and it was like. He said, like, he thought, like, this was a possibility that this could happen tonight. He had no base or source. He just said it. And then he said, guys, I didn't actually think this would be right. I'm sorry (laughs) for putting this into existence. But I don't know why you do that. Debbie Garcia, like, he, you could have gotten at least four innings out of him, like what they did with Jordan Montgomery last night. Jordan Montgomery, good four-inning start. Bullpen did the rest. You know, that's all you had to do. And if you wanted to bring in Jay half so badly, which I'm highly against ever using him ever again, (laughs) you know, I don't – like, he's just not good. They brought him in because the Rays had a lot of lefties in their lineup, but they don't – he's not even that great against lefties. I believe lefties Um, still hit, like, two around 260 off of him, which isn't great for – like, if you're doing lefty-lefty, it's not great to have for the pitcher. And – like I just don't understand. Like they, I, I, I said before, in my words, Aaron, I, Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman basically punted the game doing that, having a bullpen day. It doesn't work in the postseason, and teams don't win. And I see, like the they tried to do against a team that invented bullpen days, and you know the Rays did that yesterday, and guess what? They lost. So like. Yep. It's still saying that bullpen days do not work in the postseason. And I don't know why you'd go there at all. Use your starters. You want to use your bet. You want to use the best possible way to win. And unless every single person in your bullpen is an all-star caliber player, you don't do that. And no bullpen's ever going to have that. Like, and I'm glad, I'm glad they came back. And, you know, that, that carried over in game three, obviously. Yeah. And now I want to also address, I went on Tyra about C.B. Buckner and, and game yeah. here, how awful he was. Worst umpire I, ever. He's not the worst yeah. umpire ever because uh, Angel Hernandez exists. Yes. And also there's another one I can't remember. Actually, is the lowest rate of strike, the lowest like – Joyce? No. Uh, I think Ted Barrett. By statistics, he had the uh, lowest amount of correct calls, which is still was still. I think the the line the MLB tries to get is about ninety percent of correct calls, and C. Buckner had eighty nine that game, which it doesn't seem that way, and it seemed like he got more a lot more calls wrong. And I don't like the the umpires because the Yankees squandered situations, but I feel like a bat will take away. The one specific at bat where Luke Voigt had a 3-0 count, Charlie Morton was wild, and he couldn't control himself. On a 3-0 count, there was a borderline pitch down, like, around the knees. And I thought it was a little below the knees, but he called it a strike. And, you know, I was like, okay, the umpires may be giving it to him. And I looked at the replay, and I'm like, you know what? I can see how that's a strike, but it could have gone either way. The next pitch – uh. Ball was thrown outside, and 
he called yeah, it a strike. So and I looked at the replay. It was a little – I get that there's – you know, you got to protect. But the yeah. entire ball, even if it was close, the entire ball was outside of what the, the strike zone is is really supposed yeah. to be. I know every umpire said different ones. It was outside the zone. And I was like, are you kidding me? And then Luke Voigt ended up getting out the next – the next at bat and that squander and then the next and then and then Yankees got out the next at bat too and that squandered a basis loaded situation where they could attack on run and I of course that's also on the fall of the Yankees because the next at bat you still could have gotten it done but it hurts their chances you know two outs one out bases on two outs bases loads are two di- entirely different situations you hit the ball deep enough that's a sack fly at least yeah Two outs, deep fly ball to the warning track is great. And all it's like, oh, you almost had it. But it's end of the inning either way. And it, it's just yeah. a lot of things. And the Yankees coming – I was very nervous. I personally I, – I was just going into the game. I honestly – the way the, the series was going, like the Rays winning tour, I really thought the Rays were just going to win game four, especially with Jordan Montgomery on the mound. He's – he could be very good. He was very good at times during regular season, and he, and other times he was very questionable, so inconsistent. And he had one of his good starts, thankfully. And tonight, Garrett Cole's this is his three hundred twenty-four million dollar game right here. He's going to prove even if they lose, if he doesn't pitch a good game, I know the Yankees fans are going to go in on him, mm-hmm. saying already he doesn't deserve the money because that's how, not necessarily me. But, like, that's how, you know, the yeah. Yankee fan base just tends to overreact. They want to crucify everyone. They crucify Stanton. I keep saying throughout the playoffs, yep. I, I don't I, – I do not see any John Carlos Stanton haters. Yeah. And, though his first few games. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I love it. Like, Stan was, like, keeping them in that – in the game against what – in game two when they – when in game two when they lost – you know, they lost. Was a seven-five. Stan was responsible for four of those runs on two home runs. Like, like just in, just insane that him and Aaron Hicks have been the most consistently good players throughout this entire postseason for the Yankees. And uh, what about Lemayhew? Well, Mayhew's been good, but you look at Hicks's numbers throughout the postseason. Like, I don't think people realize how good he's playing. He puts on a good at bat every time at the plate and he's working a lot of walks while also he's hitting above 500. He's not getting the high on base percentage, like just the high on base percentage. Like he usually does. He's hitting yeah. for a good average in the postseason, and he's getting, and he's getting on and he's, and he's making the pitchers work. LeMahieu always is going to be an MVP, but Stanton and Hicks have been very surprising this postseason. Surprisingly good. Now prediction time. Do the Yankees pull out the pull out the series? They do. Tyler Glass. Now, I'm gonna say for I'm gonna you know I I'm just gonna say I'm gonna say they are. But obviously, Rays are a very good team. Tyler Glass now is gonna be on the mound, but it worries me that he's on two days rest. As a, if I were the Rays, I'd be yeah. worried about Tyler Glass being on two days rest because he's not going to go very far. He only went five innings the, uh, the last game he pitched. Five innings, four earned runs, which is not a very good start. Even though some Rays fans, you know, because of the whole Yankees blunder, that kind of got overshadowed. That Glass really didn't have that great of a start. 
he he had the got the strikeouts, but Giancarlo Stanton like was the reason he didn't have <laughs> that good stat yeah. line. And um, I don't know. Garrett Cole is on more rest. He's a better pitcher. He's he's the second best pitcher in baseball. So like, I'm gonna say the Yankees, and I or maybe a little bit of my bias is coming in, but I I uh, actually think it. Win. I actually think they can win, but the Rays, once again, the Rays, I would not be surprised at all if the Rays won, won this game. Got you. What do you think, Austin? I honestly don't know too, too much, but I'm going to just side with the Yankees. Yeah, I'm going to side for the reasons you brought up. You know, I don't like starting a pitcher on two days rest I think that can be problematic because now all of a sudden you're probably going to be I know the Rays have a pretty good bullpen but uh, you're still probably limiting how many innings how many pitches your starter's going to be able to go and that could affect the outcome of the game and the Yankees like you pointed out Giancarlo Stanton has been really hot you know, uh, in this postseason uh, to a point of um, he saw, you know, he had homered in four consecutive postseason games. The only other Yankees to have done that are Lou Gehrig, Reggie Jackson, and now Giancarlo Stanton. So pretty elite company for Giancarlo uh, to be in. So I think somehow uh, the Yankees are going to find a way to uh, pull it out and advance uh, to the American League uh, Championship Series right there. So uh, I like I like the Yankees. I think they're going to be able to pull it out. Uh, looking over across into the National League uh, for a little Phillies update, um, you know, rest in peace, Kim Batiste. Uh, he passed away uh, about a day Buddy or so Ford ago. passed away today. What? Buddy Ford passed away today as well. Yep, yeah. exactly. Uh, rest in peace to both of them. And, uh, you know, and condolences go out to uh, both of their families. Uh, Of course, uh, the Phillies first baseman, Reese Hoskins, uh, reportedly out about four to six months after an operation on his non-throwing arm. So he's going to be sidelined for a little bit uh, going on there. And uh, if you're a Mets fan, I guess you can look forward to the 2039 draft uh, because yeah. Brooks David Wright was born October the 6th. So he may be eligible for the draft coming up in uh, 2039. So congratulations. Go out to David Wright. I wonder if he'll take his dad to number five. Uh, possibly. If it's not retired before then, who knows if the Mets are going to retire it or not. Maybe David Wright will give permission to, like, unretire it just for like his son. Yeah. We're all – just for his son. Yeah. For Austin Dillon. Yep. Uh, so, uh, going over to the uh, NBA, the Lakers are up three games to one. Could close it out Friday night. Everyone uh, can be blown. <clears throat> Golden State Warriors. It can be. You never know. And the Miami Heat are determined, are kind of spunky in that way. We know – Jimmy Butler's not going to go down easy. They've been fighting their way. Uh, they just, you know, only were able to overcome the Lakers in one game, of course. 
The Lakers are also going to be inspired a little bit by the uniforms they're going to be wearing. They're going to be wearing their Black Mamba L.A. Lakers uniforms to honor the late Kobe Bryant in this game. Uh, so what do you think? Will the Lakers be able to close it out? Yeah, I think they got it tonight, honestly. When I, when I wrote my uh, – when I started writing my predictions for yeah. the conference finals and the finals, I said Lakers over Heat in five. And I, I think oh I'm my god! Right. I think I'm going to be proven right. And you know, they as soon as they announced they're wearing the black mama jerseys, yeah, that's that it right there. They've never lost wearing them, and they're going to be the ter- they're going to be determined. And yeah. you know, they're mama. just Goran Dragic again mm-hmm. isn't going to play. I didn't think he yeah, was going to play rough. throughout the whole series, but like they're still holding out hope that like if the series somehow goes to seven games, he might play a game. And but. They're just – they're a healthier team, and they're just pl- – they're playing better right now. Yeah, so I agree. Yeah, I think the Lakers got it. The Heat have to overcome LeBron James. Yeah. And that yeah. is no easy task. It's not easy. And for the Heat to win, like when they won game three, they have to play a perfect game and still have Butler go for a 40-point triple-double. Like, And they barely won that game. Like, they pulled away in, like, the last three minutes. They went on a run. But that was with playing well throughout the entire game and Butler going – off for the stat line he did so like it's probably not going to happen again i don't yeah. think so yeah coming back from 3-1 and lebron's came back from 3-1 before yeah it's possible but i don't know i mean LeBron's, lebron's up 3-1 to one. he's not gonna blow a 3 yeah, to one. yeah. <laughs> no, that's the thing i don't think they're losing the they, they gotta beat him three the times State straight Warriors of 2016 yeah they gotta beat him three times straight i don't think that's gonna happen yeah because you have to expend so much energy just to win one mm-hmm. game and then go against LeBron. You know, against LeBron. And we're leaving out AD, too, uh, who's a pretty good player. So, you know, it's a lot. And uh, even uh, Jimmy Butler said going up and uh, having to go against AD was extremely difficult for him. So, you know, I, I just I, – will it be a close game? It's a possibility, mm-hmm. but there's so Let much – you know, and I think it could be because Miami is just that scrappy yeah. team. But you guys pointed out very eloquently that it's been that LA is a healthier team right now, has a lot They're of motivation. The German team, the they German. are motivated to win for Kobe. Yep. And I think tonight ends it all. Yeah. It will not be a game seven. Yeah, I, I think they close it out right here. I, I, I don't think they're going to give the Heat any type of life whatsoever. That even if it's a close game, in the end, the Heat will – or the, Heat, the Lakers will have that extra reserve mm-hmm. in the tank uh, to be able to overcome whatever the Heat is going to give them. And, you know, and it's not bad. I mean, Jimmy Butler has done everything he possibly can to get the Heat to this point. And kudos to him for – uh, bringing the Heat to this point. And I think the Heat's going to have a good future ahead of them uh, going forward. Yeah, it, but they're just outmatched. Yeah. That's the thing. He did everything he could. And they're going to get better. They're still so young. Hero's young. Adebayo's young and improving. Drag- Dragic is not young, young, but he's not old. Jimmy Butler's in the prime of his career. So, like, they have potential, but it's just you got to realize so that you're outmatched and accept it. Him up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. If the Sixers don't give up Butler, yep. they're in his position. They might be, yeah. Or close to be. it. Or close to and it. And yeah. it'd be a 2 2 series. Could be. 
and be close. Could be. I mean, we'll never know what, you know, I'm, I'm totally against that Jimmy Butler trade. I, I don't think they spent their money wisely. And of course, speaking of the Sixers, mm -hmm. uh, they announced their new head coach this week, Glenn Doc Rivers. Uh, he says, don't call me Doc. There's only one Doc in the history of sure. the Philadelphia 76ers organization. And we know, know who that is, Julius Irving. So he said, you can call me Glenn Rivers going forward. So uh, I guess on the Sixers telecast this upcoming mm -hmm. season, you're going to uh, hear him referred to as Glenn Rivers. But it's going to be Sixers... like calling the Reds. It's going to be like calling the Redskins the football team. It's going to you're going to call him Doc Rivers, and then be like, oh, it's Glenn Rivers. Exactly. Call him Doc Rivers. <laughs> it's not going to work. Has to put a buck in the jar. Yeah. It's not. Yep. You know, I, I'm still calling. Him, I'm still calling him Doc. I just yeah, can't call him. Call him Doc. Buck in the jar. Like he. <laughs> Like yeah. it's like when when they Tyrod Taylor came out and said his, his name's actually pronounced Tyrod. It's like yeah, no, he's Tyrod. It's Tyrod. <laughs> yeah, it's been Come decided. On, exactly. You know, you know, uh, the only uh, person who may call him Glenn Rivers is the announcer for the uh, Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Everybody mm -hmm. else, you know, on a national stage is still going to yeah. probably call him Doc. Doc. Watch, Doc. there's going to be a graphic come up where he says, "Uh." a graphic on the screen it, they'll call him doc rivers on like you know, i don't know they'll show some kind of thing and and then he'll he'll hop on social media and say uh can you guys not do that put glenn rivers yeah there's only one doc in philadelphia but uh you know i think we went over this maybe last week but just to kind of refresh everybody uh what do you guys think about uh glenn rivers being named the head coach of the 76ers Great hire. Fantastic yeah, better hire than Ty Lue would have been. Better fit than Dan Tony. Yep, I agree. And Tony would not have fit Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree. They would have had to rework their entire roster, or at least big parts of it. Yeah, I think if Dan Tony came aboard, I can definitely see either Embiid or Simmons kind of being shipped. Mm -hmm. Embiid can shoot out. the three, no question about it. He can shoot. I've said it before. Simmons can shoot the three. It's all. Yeah. It's it's, it's in confidence. The head. It's in, the in head. his head. Yeah, and, and he can't shoot the three unless he's extremely confident that he can make it. Yep. And I haven't seen that confidence out of him so far. No, nobody has really. And maybe, maybe. And I actually have someone who was on the inside of that Philadelphia team. One of my friends was a Sixers dancer, and she's seen her fair share of 76 games. Cool. And, uh, you know, maybe Glenn Rivers can bring it out of him. You know, maybe that's something that uh, Rivers can work with. That's how Doc Rivers. <laughs> we that's can. how I know him. Yep. Uh, maybe he can bring it out of him, you know. And I think, too, one of the cool things about Rivers being the head coach is the fact that the Sixers will be able to go out and acquire some good free agents in the market. You know, people will want to come to Philadelphia to play for him. Uh, because he's so respected around the league, they're not going to have trouble recruiting. And there could still be some ripple effects coming within the front office of the Sixers. I think he's going to have his hands all over the construction of the roster and how it looks going forward than maybe some other teams. He wanted to come to Philadelphia, which is a good sign. Uh, it wasn't just because of the money. Or whatever, and I think they also gave him significant power within the front office. I think he's gonna 
work well with the GM Elton Brand in constructing this roster and how it's going to look going forward. So I think that that are two big bonuses about getting Rivers on board as your head coach, and we'll see how he constructs his coaching staff and what the roster looks like going forward. So I think those are two really good signs for the Sixers. And like I said last week, I think it's good because now you feel going – if you're going to make the playoffs and you're going into a playoff series with maybe Boston or uh, Toronto or some of these other teams that the Sixers have been going up against, you feel that you're at least on par with the coaching matchup. Whereas before going into some of these matchups, you kind of felt that – with trust Brett Brown as far as you can throw him. Yeah. You, you know, Brett Brown was a good – That's maybe, not very far. Yeah. You couldn't really trust Brett Brown. Uh, going, you felt you were at a coaching deficit. Now you got to feel that you're at least equal to or on par with some of these other coaches, and it could come down to a schematic or a talent standpoint. You know, players making their shots and executing what the coach says schemes up. You know, so I think that's a that's a good sign for the Sixers uh, going forward with Doc as a head coach and. Uh, just looking real quick at the NHL, uh, Devils made an interesting signing in the uh, draft. Uh, they drafted a 13-year-old with cystic fibrosis, Riley Hoagland, uh, with their honorary draft pick. That was really cool, guys. I like seeing that. Yeah, it's just good to see from the organization. They played a little street hockey with him, too. Like, eh, it, was, it was a nice gesture. It's yeah. good. It's a good wholesomeness that we all need. Yeah, I think so. You know, a lot of bad news are going around social media and everything. This yeah. was really good to see uh, by the New Jersey Devils, you know, giving him his time to shine in the spotlight, so to speak. And I thought that was a really, really cool maneuver by the, uh, by the New Jersey Devils. So kudos to them for actually going ahead and doing that. Uh, Mike, we got your NASCAR segment. I wanted to get into this with you. Uh, lots of things going on with NASCAR. Uh, they had a little uh, thing that brought us back to the Heidi game of years ago. Yeah, NBC apparently did not learn their lesson two <laughs> years ago. And I'll tell you why. During a red flag during one of the overtime periods, NASCAR on NBC, NBC Sports, decided to cut away from the finish of Sunday's Talladega playoff race to show local and national news, as well as go right to Football Night in America. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but after the Heidi game, uh, the major sports leagues put a clause in their contracts that basically told the networks to show the end of any game or any other sporting event, correct? Uh, pretty close. I know the NFL has it in there, and I know networks are not keen on doing that. So, yeah, I would say, you know, uh, it's a bad job by whoever was producing that, directing it, in charge of the broadcast. Uh, you never want to – even though the game – and we see this in the NFL and baseball or whatever, even though the game may be decided and – whatnot you never cut away until the game is officially over be it hockey football basketball nascar whatever you're told stay with it until it's official and in the box and then you can cut away from it 
So yeah, whoever was in charge of this, producer, director. That was a blunder on NBC's part. And Definitely. it's not the first time that's happened with NASCAR. Fox cut away from a truck series race a few years ago to show a college football game. And while AB, when ABC and ESPN had the contract last, they cut away from a Phoenix playoff race to show America's funniest home videos. So there have been two other ID game incidents with NASCAR. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible that they would still do that in this day and age. Uh, it's Like I said, it falls on whoever was in charge of that producer, director, whoever was making the call for NBC. You, you never, ever cut away until the game is decided and it's in the books because you have a percentage of viewers that are watching to the finale of that particular sport whatever it may be, like I said, NASCAR, wrestling, whatever it is, you don't cut away until everything is in the book and the broadcast is over and done with. And very bad decision by whoever was in charge of that to cut away from it. Never, you never do that until it's in the books. The checker, you know, in NASCAR, the checkered flag comes out. The driver the goes over. Crew interviews are done. Yep. Crew, crew interviews are done. Driver interviews are done, you don't cut away. Exactly. Until it is in the books, you keep it there. You know, and, and you have multiple outlets. Now, a lot of these uh, companies have multiple outlets that they use. That, you know, like ESPN, they could say, well, you know, the other game that started up is ABC, ESPN, all the ESPN yep. networks. Yeah. That's NBC, NBCSN, MSNBC, USA. Yep. And, and uh, as I say, you don't, you know, so you have multiple networks, so you can go to, and ESPN does this all the time. They, they'll say, if you're looking for the start of this game, it's over on ESPN2, and they finish out the game. You, you know, you could easily have done this. If you're looking for your late local news, it'll be on whatever channel, or, or we'll cut to it as soon as uh, the event is over. Or if you're going to go to Football Night in America, it's on whatever other station. CSN. Yep. There you go. So you don't cut away from the sport. You keep it right there. So bad job by, uh, by whoever was in charge for not doing that and by NBC for not doing that. But uh, what do we got coming up for this week, Mike? Well, if you liked Talladega's chaos, we've got more chaos coming up. It's the Charlotte Roval. And remember here last year, Chase Elliott got involved in a wreck early on. He came back to win the race and advanced to the round of eight. So I'm expecting a lot more chaos on the Charlotte Roval. I'm expecting Chase to pull off the impossible once again, get himself into the round of eight with a win at the Charlotte Roval. Gotcha. All right, Mike. And, and we, that, I believe, will be on NBCSN. Let me double-check that. Yes, we want to have the correct station out there. I believe that will be on NBCSN. Actually, no, it won't. It will be on NBC. There you go. Um, here's something they don't pull the same kind of shenanigans this week that they did last week. NBC, I, learn your lesson from 1968, please. Exactly, and keep it there. Yeah, uh, we also go into a little uh, pro wrestling here on the live stream because we cover. This was when it comes to pro wrestling, so I'll just mute myself. 
<laughs> there you go. Uh, so a uh, little uh, news coming out of the WWE uh, this week. They hired Barstool Sports CEO Erica Nardini to their board of directors. So she is now an integral part of the WWE. Uh, for everybody not familiar with uh, Erica Nardini, uh, she was named Barstool Sports first CEO in 2016. And since that time, uh, the company has experienced tremendous brand and business growth as one of the fastest growing freestyle lifestyle brands in the internet, generating hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue uh, during her tenure at Barcel Sports. Nardini has launched more than 35 brands, including breakout franchises in sports entertainment, female lifestyle, business, and sports betting. She also spearheaded the development of more than 1,500 social accounts, a top channel on Sirius XM, and the number one selling flavored vodka in North America called Pink Whitney, if you guys have ever had that. Uh, that was due to Erica Nardini. Uh, earlier this year, Nardini lost a, uh, launched a strategic partnership with casino operator Penn National Gaming, valuing the company at $450 million. In September 2020, Barstool Sports and Penn National Gaming launched the Barstool Sportsbook. So Erica Nardini, very capable, good hire for the WWE, and I'm sure she'll have uh, influence. Uh, she already runs Barstool Sports, has influence over Barstool Sports, so you may see a lot of that Barstool content or that type of content coming up on WWE programming, you know, as she helps uh, lead the WWE going forward. Um, we also have the WWE draft beginning tonight, Friday, and ending Monday night on Monday Night Raw. So you, SmackDown will see uh, the Monday, the beginning of the draft today. I'll get into that a little bit. Uh, Mickey James is out of action. She just recently came back a few months ago, and now she's out of action again. Um, she said she's out of action due to a broken nose and would not be cleared to return for several weeks. So her broken nose has to heal before she's able to come back to action. Uh, she's had the nose fixed, and the procedure was recorded, but we don't know whether or not uh, the WWE will incorporate that into uh, – incorporate that footage into uh, her character and uh, anything going forward. Uh, she last wrestled on September 21st on Monday Night Raw, losing to Zelina Vega. So uh, there you go for uh, Mickey James. If you're not seeing her on TV, SmackDown or Raw, that would be the reason why. Uh, also of note with the WWE, uh, Former WWE and Impact Wrestling champion Alberto Del Rio. You guys may remember him. He was indicted Thursday by a grand jury in San Antonio, Texas, for aggravated kidnapping. Uh, good source to go to is pwinsider.com. Uh, they confirmed the uh, indictment. A trial date has not yet been sent for Del Rio. He's slated to be officially arraigned. Uh, and he was, uh, he's out on $50,000 bond. 
uh, Dario was, uh, whose real name is Jose Alberto Rodriguez Chukowin. Uh He's 43. He was arrested on May 9th after a victim went to a local went to, went to local authorities, stating that on Sunday, May 3rd of this year at 10 p.m., Alberto Dario allegedly became angry with her and physically assaulted her and accused her of infidelity. When the victim would not admit to the infidelity, Del Rio allegedly slapped her across her head several times. The victim also alleged that Del Rio forced her to wear a dress and dance for him, and that when she refused and he told her not to start crying because of it, because if she did, he would take her son and drop him in the middle of the road somewhere. Uh, you know, definitely a bad situation there. The arrest affidavit stated that the woman alleged Del Rio had sexually assaulted her and that she had her injuries documented with photographs. Um, so a uh, bad situation that Del Rio is going through and that's the update for Del Rio. Um, so we have the draft going on. I told you I'd get more into that. Um, it starts uh, tonight on WWE SmackDown. Uh, more than 20 superstars are eligible to be drafted on Friday night, and more than 30 superstars are eligible to be drafted Monday night. Um, due to the length of each show, here's the rule to the length of each show, for every two picks that SmackDown selects, Raw will get three picks. Tag teams will count as one pick unless Fox or USA Network, in conjunction with the WWE officials, want to pick one superstar from the team. Uh, any undrafted superstar will immediately be declared free agents and be able to sign with any brand of their choosing. Uh, WWE superstars have been split into eligible pools for Friday and Monday night episodes of the draft. Uh, so here is the eligible pool for tonight. Who is eligible to be drafted? We got Asuka, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, Dana Brooke, Umberto Carrillo, Elias, Angel Garza, Drew Gulak, Heavy Machinery, Otis and Tucker, The Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley, Sheldon Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, and MVP. Mickey James, Lucha House Party, Kalisto, Grand Metallic, and Lince Dorado, Drew McIntyre, Murphy, Ray and Dominic Mysterio, Naomi, The New Day, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods, Roman Reigns, Ricochet, Seth Rollins, Mandy Rose, Shayna Baszler, and Nia Jax, the women's tag team champions, Shorty G, AJ Styles, Jey Uso, now, Monday's list is apparently, I think, if I got it, a little bit longer. Here's a poll for Monday Night Raw. Andrade, Bailey, Alistair Black, Alexa Bliss, Daniel Bryan, Carmella, King Corbin, Apollo Crews, Nikki Cross, uh, Daba Cato, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode, Eric of the Viking Raiders, Lacey Evans, Charlotte Flair. That's going to be interesting to see what brand she ends up on. Jeff Hardy. Uh, we got Philly Kay, Lana, Keith Lee, The Miz, and John Morrison, Rick Moss, Natalia, Titus O'Neill, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, R Truth, Retribution, 
the team of Mustafa Ali, T-Bar, Mace, Slapjack, Reckoning, and Retaliation, Matt Riddle, The Riot Squad, Ruby Ride, and Lil Morgan, Peyton Royce, Arturo Ruas, Seamus, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Cesaro, The Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins, and Montez Ford, Braun Strowman, Tamina, Akira Tozawa, Zelina Vega, Bray Wyatt, and of course, Sami Zayn. So there you have it there. The uh, drafting for SmackDown and Raw. We're looking forward to the draft. And one thing to kind of end the show on, coming back after a lengthy absence in 2022, we'll get more into this with Jeff Scott next next week when he's back on the show. Uh, the uh, Football League, known as the XFL, The Rock announced it on social media this week. So the XFL coming back in action 2022. I think it's a good deal because uh, this gives the XFL a little bit of time uh, to get everything in order as far as the teams go, the structure of the league, the rules of the league, uh, the executive board, the front office, what have you. Uh, It also gives a little bit more time uh, for fans to come back instead of rushing things and maybe having a little bit limited fans in the in the stands uh, coming up in the spring of 2021. Now you get more time for us to tackle the COVID-19 virus, and maybe you'll get some more fans in the stadiums uh, for the launch in the spring of 2022. So uh, good job by the XFL, waiting a little bit longer, getting everything in order, putting everything in place, and having a good launch uh, in 2022 and guys i'll throw this out there anything we missed this week anything you guys want to say any final thoughts um i think mike mike mentioned whitey ford right yes yeah uh uh can't really think think of anything yeah. now all right well then uh We will end it there. I want to encourage everybody to give us a like, a follow, a share, subscribe uh, to our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, Check us out on anchor.fm. You can leave a message there. We got a 24-7 voice line. Uh, If you want to comment on the show, if you have something you're passionate about, want to put your predictions in there, see how they line up with ours. Uh, feel free to leave us a voicemail. We got it up and running on anchor.fm. Check us out on Spotify as well. Uh, head over to sportskillerradio.com where you can get our news feed up there. Our uh, Twitter account is up there. Great articles by all the guys here. Uh, they do a fabulous job, so you want to check them out as well. Uh, you can also uh, check out everything we got going on there. Good site to go to. And uh, we want to wish you and your family a very happy, a very healthy, a very safe weekend coming up. Stay happy, stay safe, and uh, check us out on our social media accounts. And we will see you back here again next week at this time. Have a great week, everybody. Take care and uh, get the word out about Sports Skillet. Have a great week, everybody. What's on the menu at Sports Skillet? Local and national sports talk that's always fresh in season and FDA approved. If it's hot, you'll find it cooking Sunday mornings 11 a.m. on 920 a.m.